you're not a victim. You're doing it. And when you're ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. Hello and welcome to the Humble You Podcast, where we talk all things mind, body, and life. And this podcast features a conversation with well-being advocate, podcaster, and author, Owen Morgan. He is here to talk about his journey of self-awareness and transformation, as well as the story that began his new podcast, Awareness Space. And earlier this month, I was on that podcast, Owen. It was an amazing panel show, the first show about confidence with John Eli and Dave Furness. And Owen, the work you're doing is tremendous, creating space like that, different ideas to share this shared message of light, of love, of connection, of awareness. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. It's uh, an honor to be on the show with you. Obviously, we're good friends anyway, and we've done a lot of work together in the past. So it just feels so great to sit down with you yet again after doing that panel show a couple of weeks ago, which was, what, two and a half hours long? Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. Um, I loved it. I loved it. We had we also had questions from our Instagram community, and a lot of us knew the same people are asking the questions. So um, I loved it. I love being with you guys. I think you're all awesome, and it's just such a, a joy to do these panel shows. I'm recording another one t- on Sunday, mm-hmm. so I'm really looking forward to, to going at it again. Yeah, and getting new ideas, you know, flowing in that space can create other ideas that would have never came up just by a one-on-one podcast. And then just changing the format, you get so used to kind of this one-on-one, you know, the flow of questions to the end, you share your information and and then you're out. But with that, it just creates this dynamical uh, space. Like when I was in this space, it was just really cool to connect with everybody um, on a shared topic too. It wasn't, you know, it was sort of encapsulated Encapsulated with the topic, but we still flowed around. You know, it was it wasn't too structured or ordered. There was a little chaos to it. It was really really nice, and and I love that the name of your podcast is Awareness Space. You know, it kind of fits perfectly. So uh, before we get into how this all started, you know, we've talked before. I didn't release the podcast, um, but we did we did talk before um, when you had another project going on, and we talked about sort of your upbringing, some of your traumas, and how that helped really shine a light into your direction and your path towards truth. Uh, can you share with people a little bit about that story in your childhood? Yeah, sure. Thank you, man. And, you know, so much of my journey is being just a series of kind of traumatic events, really, that kind of just built up, built up and built up until my body could take no more, essentially. And there is a lot of chapters to that story. I'm very aware when I come onto these podcasts and I'm guesting, to somehow explain it very quickly um but there's like some key things that happened to me so i'll timeline it it's easiest way to do it Mm. so when i was six um i was abused by a childminder so my parents worked a lot they weren't around very often and not 100 emotionally available either so i was an only child and i didn't feel like i was being seen and heard in the way i needed to be but obviously then this childminder with various things like force feeding and really dominating behavior, um, I found extremely difficult and I couldn't share it with my parents. So I held on to that at a very young age. And then we fast forward to me moving to a different country when I was nine and had to start all over again, again, with parents I didn't feel connected to. So very, very lonely existence. And then once I got into school, into high school for all the Americans out there, I got bullied horribly for three years. So every day after school, I get beaten up and they'd be little, but they were friends. They were kind of friends I was trying to impress, but they would beat me up all the same. So I went through three years of trying to convince these people to like me and not to beat me up. So that was pretty traumatic. That's more CPTSD at that point, because I'm having this chronic complex ongoing situation. 
So by the time I got to my 20s, I was a depressed mess. Couldn't leave the house and I couldn't, my biggest fears were meeting new people, going to places I didn't know, couldn't do it. I just too overwhelming, completely disassociated. And it just, it was just horrible for years. And I just couldn't quite figure it out until one day my partner that I was with ended the relationship because she could see that I was downward spiraling. And that's when I started having therapy. You know, I'd hit the therapy to begin with, um, some counseling in there too. And it just changed the game for me. When I became aware of what was going on with my body and mind, I was able to see clearer what was happening, more empowered, right? But by doing that, it opened a cascade of memories, memories from school, memories from six-year-old I didn't remember. I didn't remember most of my childhood because I had disassociated so much. All came to the surface. I was blacking out, having anxiety, collapsing. It was tough. So then I went on this journey of anxiety problems um, after that. And then ever since then, which was what, when I was 27, so that's like 10 years ago, I've been on this mission to learn as much as I can about the human experience so I can heal myself. And then here we are today. That's a wow. very short version of it. Well, it's short, but we got a lot to unpack, which is exciting. I have a couple notes. Um, really, before I start, I want to say thank you for sharing that. It's difficult to share those past traumas, but you could see the work you've done and how you speak on it. Um, there's an authenticity to it. You've, you've tasted it and touched it and worked through it, integrated it, and you know there's still work to do, but um, I just wanted to highlight that and, and really thank you for that. Um, secondly, uh, we'll start on with the, the, the pain that was held in. That's the, the key thing that, that led to the depression. You know, that's the early on, uh, pain that holding on to that, it created a lot of lonely space. Um, what, what was that like as a child? Did you, did you notice that you were in a dark place when you were holding on to this pain or were you just trying to make do with, with the best that you had in front of you, um, you know, at that young age? Yeah, it was interesting, you know, because like I said, I didn't remember any of basically the first nine years of my life while I was in Wales before I moved to England. I didn't remember any of it, but mm. I didn't know I didn't remember unless people asked me what was it like living in Wales. I couldn't remember my room, my house, my dad's car. It was like a complete, I completely shut off from it. It was crazy. And it was only that when I had hypnotherapy, uh, I think it was 23 or something like that, 24 that I remembered, I started to remember the street again and the room. It was like a black and white film. It was really surreal. I can't really explain it to you from a science level or spiritually or whatever. It's, just, um, it's interesting, mm. but it's kind of, it all started to come up for me. And it was only then that I got to feel what it was like to be a lonely, scared child. But mm. I didn't feel it until I was 24, mm. if that makes sense. And I can only describe it as dread. So that feeling that you get in your stomach, you're like, oh God, that kind of stomach hollow dread sensation. But I still get to this day sometimes it'll come up if I'm triggered. It's so visceral, um, all in my gut, my gut area. So it's like that dread is probably the best word I could give you actually to describe it. This real deep, scared, um, hopelessness, mm. I'd say is what it feels like to me. Mm. And then, the, the, you know, I'm kind of fast forwarding, we'll get back, but the more you've worked with that dread, the more it pops up, the more you, you notice how it shows up now. So now you can kind of catch it before it does too much possession. And then you can kind of work with it in the sense of integrating it. Definitely. It's been able to hold it, right? It's been, it's been able to hold those sensations as they come up and it's not easy. And actually you need to do that from a place of safety. So mm. be it environmental safety within yourself, the people you're around. That's why therapy work, working with coaches and therapists is so important. If they can hold a safe space for you, you can let it come up a little bit and maybe investigate it with compassion um, and see maybe where it started 
and how your behaviors keep re-triggering you. So it's, it's, it's just about getting to a place of being able to process the body sensations as well as obviously the, the mental aspect of your memories being released. Mm. But it's, it's, it's not easy. It, it's, it can be quite complicated at times. But at the end of the day, you, to, to get over these things, you need to feel through it. You can't, you, if you're disassociating, you're not, you're not connecting to the whole of you. Therefore there's a piece of you that's not present. So yeah. it's how yeah. can you bring the whole of you into presence? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and as a child, you know, you don't have all this information. So the best way you can counteract or react to the lack of, you know, that attention being accepted by others is to just internalize it and kind of try to suppress it or repress it. Um, but then you've noticed you know, by doing some of this work, when it, you said the cascade of memories opened up, you know, to see all that there at such an older age, um, and to know that that's been in your decisions and every action you've taken up until that point, you know, that had to be a powerful moment. Oh, it was huge. And I like to think about it from a nervous system perspective, right? So I was in shutdown for such a long time. And they say from a polyvagal perspective, you need to work out of shutdown, come into fight and flight, so sympathetic energy, and then you can be restored to a healthy, safe nervous system level. So I had to go, as we know, from de major depression to this hardcore anxiety, but there's no way my child could have held that level of suffering of on an anxiety level. So mm. I shut down instead because I couldn't bear the pain. Mm. And it was only then when I was old enough to do it, I was able to feel the fight and flight. But even then I couldn't cope. I was fainting and blacking out. It was so bad. Mm. So then I had to go on this process of like, what the hell is this anxiety? What do I do with this now? And I actually had to switch therapists because I needed someone that specialized in that. So these journeys can take a little bit of time. And I think we're always, we're always going to be healing because there'll always be something that triggers us. So you have to keep healing again. And it's, <laughs> and it can be done very beautifully, actually. It doesn't have to be this big drag, but mm. self-awareness was, was, you know, the, the game changer and like the, the finale to it all, you know, that I was able to actually feel all of these things with a sense of self-awareness. So yeah. That's the message, isn't it? Wow. Was there a catalyst to really pushing you into self-awareness or self-connection, or was it a slow process of kind of awakening? What was that like? It was definitely, yeah, definitely a slow process and actually an interest. I think if you become, become curious about what's going on for you, mm. that changes a lot because then you're more keen to like watch YouTube videos and know how the brain works. And maybe if you're more spiritually minded, you know, look into what that means for you and you start to build this real fascination with what's going on for you. And that takes all the power out of it. You know, it doesn't control you as much. So I think my love for learning and creativity was the thing I already had in me when mm. I was a kid. That mm. was one thing I definitely had was expression through creative means. Mm. So that was really, really powerful, but it was, it was actually the anxiety that made me think like, shit, like so many people don't know what depression anxiety is or where it's coming from. Um, and that's terrifying to not know what to do with these things. And that's, and it was that that made me think, yeah, I need to become more aware of what this means. And then from that day forward, I don't think I can turn it off now. I don't think I can turn off the self-awareness part of my brain. That's like really keen to learn about my own experience at any given moment. So I think once you start diving into it, there's no coming back. I think it's very difficult to switch back to um, just going through life, working, coming home, going to bed. I think you'll always want more. You want yes. to learn more. Yes. And I saw a quote, something about free will. And, you know, that's a heavy topic that people talk about, you know, determination of free will. And 
I saw something saying that really one of the only things after about five or six, which you have free will over is consciousness is your consciousness and your individual consciousness and, and to, to be able to feed it correctly and, and make sure, you know, good information is, is going into it and you're not losing your sense of consciousness. You're not cutting yourself off. You're keeping it open and, and, and really exploring, like you said, I think that's key to, to building consciousness is that, that, that spirit of creation and exploring and, and, and I'm, I'm noticing that, you know, in you, when you speak, you know, that's one of your, your, your key interests in life. One of your meanings in life is to really explore and, and expanding consciousness. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, but you're, you know, again, going through your story, you're, you're hearing how you're talking now, but uh, in your twenties, you know, depression, it was too overwhelming. What were some of the defenses that you noticed you were projecting out in order to, to, to hide this, this, this inner anxiety or this, this trauma? It's interesting with depression because you kind of start to shut down, you disassociate, so you feel less, good or bad. So even if you have good moments, you're not picking up on it because you're just disassociated. So you're not present, you're not connected, you're not looking for social social cues, which is natural for us as humans. But it, as far as like the way I was living my life because of depression, I found myself in this position of wanting to feel something i could tell that i was very dull and numb and i needed to feel something i always think people have two ways to go they either want to feel something good or they want to feel something that isn't pain if that makes sense so they'd rather just find anything else that's not pain hence why we do more destructive things to ourselves because at least it feels different to the horrible depressive pain but some people actually generally have a spark of wanting to feel better mm. So I had a bit of both. Sometimes I really wanted to work on how could I feel better, but I had no knowledge of how to do that. Is it exercise? Is it, you know, trying to make new friends? What is it? But when you're just stuck in your house and you don't leave the house, it's very difficult to really do anything, um, to be honest with you. But then there's other times where <coughs> I wanted to distract myself from it. So I gained loads of weight. I was overeating. So that was one way I did. I dealt with it. Then it was just obsessions with, um, you know, just keeping busy, moving the house around. I always remember I, my partner would come home from work and go, oh, for God's sake, you've done it again. I've just moved the whole house around. So mm -hmm. the living room is down the dining room and I just shift everything around. It was, it's really hard to explain, but I just went into this like four or five hour kind of on a day off, just moving my whole house around, which mm -hmm. it obviously doesn't sound that normal, but it's just because I wanted to feel something, pride, yeah. joy about doing something, just feel something because yeah. I just feel crap all the time. Mm. So mm. I'm sure people can resonate that have been through this. That's what it feels like. You just, you're so dull and numb that you're like, what, what, what is, what is life? Mm. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. I was there and, and it's tough to get back. You know, sometimes it takes some kind of some kind of moment that you really don't want. Um, you know, it, it could be anything though. It could be a person, it could be a place, it could be anything that could, that could really shake you out of that. But it's, it's tough. It's a strong negative feedback loop that just is really, really difficult to break. Um, but, but you broke it, you know, you're out of it. And, and it seems like you really unlocked that inner child in you, you know, doing a lot of this work and, and, and allowing that inner child to now be heard again, to express itself again, you know, and, and I think that's beautiful to see. Um, one of the big key factors we keep talking about and the key word uh, really for your whole new project that you've started is awareness. Um, one of the things you, you talk about is the awareness five, um, really taking the word aware and breaking down each letter 
um, and really highlighting what each means. Maybe you can go into a little bit about that and, and how you came to, to find this, this beautiful piece of information, a nice acronym. Yeah, thank you. I kind of, um, this only came about because when I took a couple of months out last year, as you know, from Manco Wellbeing and, and, the, and the trauma series I was doing, because I'm fascinated by trauma. So that's like another passion of mine, learning more about that. So I took a couple of months out and I, I was trying to figure out what it was that I wasn't quite aligning with, with my previous podcast. And then I discovered it's because I want to talk on, on all, other, all levels, you know, the spiritual behind the ego, you know, that next level of human experience. That was what I was missing. So I came up with the idea for the awareness space. I just fell in love with the name as soon as I came up with it because it was about getting yourself in a space where you're so aware of where you are that it's it's very empowering. So the space itself is a physical space you can put yourself in, but also the awareness space is what you and me talk about previously, which is outside of ego in that real deep, that real deep presence and stillness. That for me is like the ultimate awareness space that you can ever be in as mm. a compassionate witness of you know, your experience. Anyway, so when I set all that up, I was like, well, how do I do this then? How do I integrate this into my life? And that's why every guest that I have gets the same question, which is how do you integrate awareness? So I thought, well, I need to answer that question. So I was like, I need to come up with the techniques and tips that I use. But what I found really interesting from pre this and the first few guests is that many people talk about daily practices, right? So they talk about their meditation practice or their yoga practice or gratitude journaling or, you know, whatever it may be, daily walks, all this kind of stuff. It's beautiful. But I've always been a big advocate for how do you live in every moment that you're in? Because you can do these practices and then go out into the world and still fall back into your habits and patterns of, you know, coping, dissociation, people pleasing. You can still fall back into it and then you have to return to your daily practice. And over time, you start to cultivate more resilience going forward. But I thought, what do I do every day, every hour that makes a big difference in my life? And that's how I came up with the five ways that I live my life on a daily basis to remain a compassionate witness, to remain aware, to remain this loving, kind person to my inner child. So the awareness five is an awareness practice to facilitate improved well-being that really helped me. Five techniques I use to support transformation in how I live in every moment and how I am in the world around me. This is a practice of self-awareness, self-resilience, and self-empowerment. So people need to remember, you, you don't just need to be just self-aware and then that's it. The self-awareness can then be built upon to give you self-resilience and self-empowerment through time. So it's, it's, it's the free together. But I broke it down into yeah, the three letters of the word aware. So I'll go through them if that's right, Joseph, and then you can just- um, Yeah, I'm gonna break them down after you go through them. Like. <laughs> stuff cool all right so a is for actual so what is really going on here so looking to step away from our instinctive narrative and default thinking patterns that we always tend to adopt in these situations can i open to a deeper source of this experience and take time before i form a belief so when we actually stop we take a breath and really tap into what's actually happening here our thoughts don't get carried away with us and then become belief systems like i was I deserve that, or this happened to me and this kind of thing. So it's really important to know and tap into what's really happening. I do this every day. It's really powerful. W is words. So thoughts aren't facts. They're just unfiltered feedback. So a story following a body state is a, a prime example. If you're depressed, your thoughts are going to tend to be more of the dark or negative variety. When you're safe and social, you're generally going to have a more positive outlook. It's logical that your brain will, will feed off your body state. So can I see beyond my words and not get caught up in my emotion that's feeding them? Can I see how my words also create feedback to my body? 
So can I see how the beliefs that I'm creating are then repeating as thoughts and then affecting my mood over and over again? So remembering thoughts have a lot of power if you let them. So that's a big one. Mm. A is anatomy. So what is going on with your body right now? So checking in throughout the day with your body sensations in any given moment. So it doesn't have to be just when something unusual is happening or something that affects you. Just generally, see how you're getting on. Do you feel uncomfortable around anybody that you're around in that moment? Can I notice my neuroception? So that's my nervous system. sort of interacting with their nervous system. Does that, does that feel safe and steady, um, especially in the environment that I'm in? And how does my nervous system like we said, dance with another. So just checking in, you know, mm. do I feel hot, a little bit edgy? Maybe I'm a little bit irritable, but maybe I'm feeling good. Just check in. It's really powerful once you start to learn your own body's uh, state. R is reactive. Can I become aware of my triggers and glimmers? This changed my life when I started doing this. Can I be aware of what triggers me and brings me joy? And even though I may get triggered and have a response in a couple of seconds afterwards, I then can take a breath and say, wow, I've just been triggered. Okay. That's so empowering to realize that you're not going to be hooked in and sucked into the trigger itself. So thinking about what sets you into fight and flight or shut down, what helps you feel connected and safe and heart centered. Can I get to know my boundaries, my limits and resources that I can use to support my nervous system in this moment? Honestly, this trigger stuff changed my life, Joseph. It was amazing. Yeah. It's the best. And then ego, which, you know, I know you and me talk about this a lot, but this is just my perception of ego at the moment from the people I've been reading about. So can I see beyond the perception of this, of what's happening here, beyond the perception of who I am coming from people's expectations, opinions, and narrative about me, seeing past the role I play in any given moment, as in the dad or the person at work or the podcaster, can I see past that? Being with the space of stillness outside of thought and self-judgment, if I had nowhere to be or no demands on my life that I need to meet, how would this moment actually be? If I had none of that, if my name wasn't Owen, what does life look like then? That's very, very powerful when you tap into that. And I do it on a daily basis because mm. actually it's just super fun to do yeah. that and go, if I wasn't Owen and I had no of this history, what would this moment be like? I think it'd be like a tree. I'd just be having a great time sucking up, sucking up the sun, getting water from the ground, mm. just keeping it simple. Right. So anyway, that's my awareness five. I hope I didn't uh, speak for too long on that one. Oh, I mean, not too long. Uh, there's so much information. And I wanted to jump on that last thing, but I'm going to stop myself because I want to start with actual because that's, uh, you know, that's really truth. And that's really, um, you know, that's important for that space because if that space is filled up with beliefs or, um, you know, different truths or subjective truths that you believe are true, but they're not truly true, then you've kind of closed off your space and that space is a little bit distorted. Um, and truth is really difficult because it's tough to admit you're wrong, you know, so this is directly tied to the ego. Um, and that's why that ego needs to be humble. It needs to be open and needs to see beyond its perceptions and its judgments. Um, and I think that that first and last, I love like connecting the first and last, you know, life and death, um, you know, they really go hand in hand. And I think, uh, you know, in between there, now you're getting into the unconscious space, the words, realizing your words are just, you know, the story that's following that state of energy that you're in. So if your body's, you know, fighting a disease, you might be feeling and thinking a lot of negative thoughts because of that 
kind of reaction to that disease. And that's why it's important then again, to check in with the uh, anatomy of you, check in with what's going on with your body, do a body scan, um, all the parts, you know, kind of sit in stillness and see if anything's triggering. Um, and then that goes right into the reactive space. Um, and, and really watching those triggers, they're, they're so key and so important. So I really like how, um, you know, this, this, this whole acronym uh, can hold people in a space to consume a lot of information. There's a lot going on here that, that you have to keep an awareness, um, but you can build a lot of disciplines out of this. I mean, it really outlines that space that we're all looking for, the present moment in a sense. Definitely. Thank you. That's so beautiful how you tie that all together quite nicely, how it flows. Um, because I had to I had to really think about the letters, though, as you can imagine. I was mm. like, right, this letter has to literally start with this letter. So I was like, shit, okay, right. So I need to think of that. So I had a lot of fun trying to keep some kind of fluidity with it. But no, you're spot on all of those things is that just the best thing I, I've ever been able to sort of start to do is just take to stopping for a sec, just going shit i'm i'm so tired right now and then i'm getting triggered all over the place here mm. i need to i need to realize that actually i need to just step out of this situation and show myself some self-compassion some love right now because yeah. this environment or this person's really affecting me so rather than getting sucked into this I, i'm just gonna put up with it you don't have to shout back or have a go at them or anything like that just step out and just take a breath it changes everything it stops you making really bad decisions and taking bad actions. Um, and th then it stops all that self-judgment issue coming later on. Right. You know, yes. if you're always taking care of yourself, the self-judgment isn't, is, isn't going to be so, so up there in intensity. So, um, you know, it's just, this is just what we just discussed there is, is how I live my day to day the best I can. I have daily practice and weekly practices too, but I find if you live this way, then the daily practices really, really start to take hold then because you're living a life in the way that the daily practice is trying to, um, sort of instill in you, right? Mm, mm. And that's true mindfulness, you know, mindfulness is thrown around a lot, but that's what mindfulness is, is that space, you know, where there's not judgment, you're going with what is. Um, it's, 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 it's quite an amazing space. I'm writing about that space in a chapter in the book um, that I'm writing called the in-between. I'm calling it the in-between in the psyche and that space that meets the conscious and unconscious meets what we don't know with what we do know and tries to kind of, um, you know, sort that whole connection out. Um, with with a strong ability um, to 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 really sit in that moment in stillness and and not have your judgments and perceptions get in the way and it's really tricky to do. I mean, it is difficult to do. We get very prideful um, in this life, especially when when things are going well. And it's 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 always good to remain humble. Um, <laughs> but this is my podcast, and I need to I need to promote uh, promote yeah. you, obviously. Um, <laughs> but but the the truth is here. Um, you've done a lot of work in this space. Um, what to you makes this different than, than your previous projects? What are you hoping to do with awareness space for society, for the public? What I really want to do is just make people realize how powerful it is to actually just start to explore. Mm. start to explore your existence on uh, you know all levels and i've gone on a big old journey i have to say in the last 10 years working my way through many different therapies and i don't mean just having them i mean i've, I've spent eight years doing some form of either podcasting i had a chat show for a while for a company i was running for two years where it was all in person so we had cameras everywhere and i had a student film crew so fun and uh so i've had chat shows before as well so i've spent i've interviewed probably nearly a thousand people probably by now, wow. but all of them are 
or the majority of them were practitioners and therapists. So not only did I experience therapies, I was able to interview all these people. And I keep hearing about all these different techniques and they're, they're all really cool, uh, whatever resonates with you. But I started to see the common denominator, right? The common denominator behind all of them about how if you're not held in a safe place by a therapist or a coach, there ain't no healing, mate. If you don't feel if you don't feel safe, there's no way of embodying the stuff that's happening. So, having a safe space and a practitioner that really sees, hears, and understands you. Without that, it doesn't matter what therapy you're receiving; it's completely irrelevant. Mm. So, I started to really see that, and also the second one to that was just full blown awareness. So, becoming aware of what's really happening for you and being able to tap into that, and not getting overly cognitive about it. So, yeah, I've been told that I have this attachment style, and I'm triggered by this because I was abused by this, and having too much narrative about it you just have to be i'm triggered quite often by the same thing can i explore how i can hold that better mm. over time so for me it's kind of the only reason my projects have adapted over the years is because i have mm. so as we grow and as, as people and become more connected i think our values change a little bit and our and what we our instincts and our intuition shifts and changes and you become more connected so the only reason my projects have changed is because i have mm. if you spoke to me 10 years ago when i was interviewing I was very cognitive. I was all CBT and just brain, brain, brain. I didn't know anything about somatic experiencing or the body. I didn't know anything about it, but I've managed to go on this journey of learning. So I think it's my duty now to share that with the world, but also continue to interview people who can also share their message. So I think of myself as the hoster of space. So my partner's a mindfulness teacher. She's amazing. And she's a, she holds space so beautifully. So she holds space and I host space. So I just create a place where people can share their message. And I just, I love talking to people. I think humans are amazing. Mm. So as long as I, till the day I die, if I can just sit here and have lush, gorgeous conversations, I'm done. I've, I've completed my mission, I think. Just talking, I think. Well, yeah, because that's the point in life is just experience. You know, there's there's the beginning, there's the end, there's the dash in between. And that's where you have to really just enjoy it. And we get sometimes so tied down to the minutes. And, you know, it's 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 great that people like yourself are waking people up and creating that space that they never felt before. You know, that's the thing. They've never felt that space, that safety. They never felt like anyone cared, just like you felt, just like I felt, just like anyone felt um, in those in those darker moments. And um, you know, a lot more people are doing this. It's really so beautiful to, to see. Um, it's, it's, it's really an awakening. And I think it's a reaction to, you know, that lack of faith that we've had for uh, a few decades now in society. Um, so it's a faith in us. It's a faith in you. It's a faith in the ability to, to, to be able to be strong and push past the traumas and, and look at yourself without um, being scared of yourself, being scared with what's going to come up because you know you're strong enough to, to handle it. Um, and then the other exciting thing is once you start catching some of these automatic reactions and you're noticing that your body's reacting to something specific, when you get to the root, you can kind of get rid of that reaction and now you can build something new. You know, it's not like everyone reacts the same to different stimuli. We all have our own memories that we've built over the years that are specifically uh, you know, a specific signature to each memory that then sparks. So then getting into those memories and changing them and, and seeing them in a new light can really help um, fix the programming. Your, your, your automatic uh, triggers get fixed and then life kind of breathes a little bit better and you can hold that awareness space a lot longer 
longer um, than than older you. And, and it's really exciting to, to unfold uh, in that manner. So through this journey, um, <laughs> I'm sure that you've you've you said you've met over thousands of people and and you've noticed your ability to kind of change your podcast, change your message, see more important things, heighten your consciousness in a, in a sense. Um, but what other mysteries are possibly out there in mind, body, or life that you are still curious about? You wish you still had that. Uh, you, you could find the the answer, the the philosopher's stone in a question. Um, what would that question be that you wish you had the answer to? For me, the question I always want, I'm sure you can appreciate this, my friend, is what the hell is the mind? How is it different to the brain? What is consciousness? Are we all consciousness? Are we all part of the same consciousness? Science can't figure it out. And and I think it's hard to really figure it out outside of science too. I think it's, I just wish we had an answer, mate, to be honest with you, because it would make it so much easier for us to explain these conversations to people. Um, so for me, if someone could tell me what what consciousness fully 100% to a point is with certainty, I, I would love it. But I just, I think the mystery of it is what makes it beautiful, right? So I'm going to take that actually it's the thing I want, but also I appreciate that it's beautiful not knowing too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great answer. And it's uh that's a question that I can't believe that we haven't made any progress on it. It's it's quite surprising to to hear like the top scientists say it, like we're not making progress. Um, even the robot scientists that are hoping to find out what consciousness is so they can build it, they're missing that kind of self reflection, self awareness type. Um, trait that, that we have within. And I think that's sort of tied in with the ego. And I think, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, there's really a, a sense in us that is a sense of ourselves. <laughs> like there's a sense of a sense of ourselves. And I think that's what, um, you know, that's the important thing here. That's really what we're acting out of. Um, beautiful. Uh, another question is uh, related to those interviews over a thousand people again, probably uh, that's a lot. Um, who though haven't you interviewed that you wish you can get on? Who are your three top guests? And they could be dead or alive, fiction or nonfiction. Mm. Yeah, I remember this question last time. I really <laughs> struggled. So I probably thought about this because I listen to your show every week anyway. So I get to hear people's feedback. But um, mm. there's so many people I want to interview, mate, from the, the wellness world, but I just keep it simple. So I'd love, love to interview Bezel van der Kolk from Body Keeps the Score. That would just absolutely blow my mind. And actually, all I need to do is drop him an email, let's be honest. So what's what what what's stopping me? What are my blocks here? I'm just mm. giving him a shout. So mm. number one, I need to look at that. I'd love to interview Jim Carrey. I think he's fascinating. Wow. I yeah. think that would be really, really fun. Like the journey he's been on has been has been immense. And then after that, it's like it's tricky because I'll interview anybody, mate. I'll interview anybody, just just a friend from work or some amazing top-level trauma therapist. So like it's hard for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out slightly and say I would love to interview every human that exists <laughs> before I die. So that's my third, that's for my third choice. If that's all right. It's so fitting for you. <laughs> it's so yeah. fitting for you. I, to, I need to do more panel shows if I'm going to pull that off. That right. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, you got to work yeah. on, uh, you know, the, the life extension that they're working on nowadays, with the scientists reverse aging. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, there's so many great people out there in this world. Um, and, and, and like yourself, uh, you've done some amazing work really to get to this point. I'm sure. Um, what I'm wondering is, through this experience, what was uh, one thing that you wish you had when you were 
younger, something you wish that somebody gave you um, when you were in those moments of depression, um, maybe early 20s, maybe even a little bit younger than that. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you wish somebody handed to you or a tip or a tool or just something, uh, kind of that that golden key that that you didn't have? Oh, it's I was thinking about this the other day and it's tricky because when I go back to my childhood and I go back to that six-year-old and, you know, he's, I remember he's sitting in that dining room and this just, yeah, very unpleasant child mind was just force feeding me. I was so scared. And I just feel like I always go back and I try and give him a hug. You know, the 37-year-old Owen goes back there, says, it's all right, man. I've got you. I've got you. I'm here for you. You know, I'll protect you. And if there's one way I could armor my child self with that, with that, like, I've got you as in, it's me, right? It's self-reflection. It's me talking to myself. I just wish I was able to instill in him that he's going to be all right and just give him to know that I'm, I'm, I'm behind him at all times. And it's, it's a quite a mystical option, but I just, if I could change anything is to say to him, you're going to be okay, mate, no matter what happens or whatever comes your way, you're going to be all right. And I get to do this with my four and a half year old stepson. It's so beautiful. I get to be there for him and say, as long as I'm alive on this planet, I'm going to, I'm going to protect you. Mm. And I want to make sure that he gets the most amazing upbringing ever from tender love and care. So it's, it's important. I give that to my inner child to this very day. But if I could go back to when I was six and go into that room and obviously probably say to childminder, can you leave please? It'd be quite nice too. But <laughs> you know, I just, I, I would just love to give him some kind of bit of wisdom that integrates into his consciousness so he can take anything that comes his way and be able to process it with with safety so mm. that's what mm. i choose and you're kind of doing that now which is beautiful like you're, you're seeing that ability to do it with you said your six-year-old son yes uh, my four and a half year old yeah so four and a half year old okay yeah okay um what's his reaction to such a deep thing at that age you know a lot of children are pretty spiritual in a sense like kind of connected they have these intuitional hints and and they're they're quite interesting children um what was his reaction though was it a bit like oh come on or did he kind of feel it well he's so emotively expressive because of the way we brought him up so it's 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 very beautiful to see because they're sponges and they will mirror so they, it's not your words it's what you do that they're listening they're watching they're watching you what mm. you're doing as an adult people need to remember your behavior is what shapes them more more often than the words are so it's it's been beautiful to see him do that but it's he knows what meditation is. He knows why mummy does it. He he knows when to take a little breathing space with me. So Ezra, wow. I need to take a bit of a breathing space. So he'll sit with me for, well, about 10 seconds and off he goes. But he understands this. He understands who the Buddha is. And we've got you know, sort of, sort of Buddhas around the house and stuff. And he loves that. And he's really fascinated by, by just humans. And we've got to remember kids are the most present, mm. you know, pre-major complex traumas, obviously. They are so present yes. so viscerally like this moment is amazing and i love it and it's awesome and then when they're when they're crying they're gonna let you know about it they're gonna tantrum and kick and scream we lose that it's it's so powerful to watch how viscerally present and mentally present they are mm -hmm. and it's so vital to show them the path really and let them make their own decisions but just guide them along and that's all you can do and i just wish a lot more of us were able to be that organically present i just think society slowly grinds us down when we have to fit into all the models right into all the structure Ooh. and at that point we lose ourselves because we're trying to conform so it's you know this is a big this is a big question for another uh another podcast but um <laughs> but yeah the answer to your question he's an absolute legend of a human being already just because he's so he's so aware 
So I, I like to hope that that will be the case going forward. And I love hearing this because a lot of children nowadays are when they're a little bit hyper, they're not really told the disciplines. They're kind of just handed the medicine. And it upsets me because then they really disconnect with themselves. A lot of their emotions are suppressed and it's really difficult for them to come back. And just, you know, applying that principle uh, to someone, you know, that that's that, that's much younger children like your son. Uh, I was just speaking to someone else earlier today that's doing the same thing same age range. Um, it's a new thing. I didn't really hear much of it growing up. Um, what are your thoughts about that? You know, that, that children nowadays are starting to learn how to breathe through it instead of going right to the medicine. Um, do you see this as something that can kind of export into society and it's going to be a new, that's the new age is we're really going to get self aware to the point where we can take care of a lot ourselves and we can start to pull away from the structure and order that we've been put into. I'd like to, I'd like to hope so. But I think at the end of the day, there's so many people on the planet. A lot of it comes from when something bad happens to us and then we have to face it and then we learn. And I think nothing's really going to change about that. I think things come away that we can't prep anybody for. And then they have to go out there like I did and watch YouTube videos and read books and learn. And it comes to you as you, as you grow older. Mm. But I think how to interact with other people, interact with yourself is the key for children. So it's teaching them about, for example, it's okay to be angry and it's natural. And please, you know, let's, Let's process your anger. Let's dance. Let's get your body moving and move your sympathetic energy. Say, so it's okay to be angry. Let's use the energy. Let's, in a safe way, let's shift that out. We told them all this. It's beautiful, but it's not okay to hit. So it's teaching them the ability to say, it's okay to feel all of the emotions. It's totally normal and primal, but there are certain things you can't do, like physically attack people. So it's trying to find that, 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 that balance between structure of society's expectation, but also knowing that I'm allowed to feel whatever I need to feel because it's actually completely normal to be angry about lots of things. Mm. But how can you use the anger, process it out, and then feel great again? And they, they get over stuff quick, which is pretty yeah. amazing. They don't tend to hold on to stuff or have grudges. So just play around with that a little bit. But I'm, I'm thinking that there isn't enough people on the same path as you and me, for example, to make that kind of shift in society. Mm. But mm. luckily, because there's so many people like us doing this sort of thing, people can find loads of resources and that will change the game. I think resources will be what saves us in the end, I think. Yeah, resources right. to learn. So let's keep doing it. <laughs> well, you're just talking about balance and, and this is perfect because uh, I want to close things out shortly. But there was one thing I really wanted to bring up uh, hearing about your journey was um, you, you said it was a longer process. It really wasn't this quick awakening. It was a sort of longer awakening. And I think that's how it mostly is, you know, there may be that moment, there may be some kind of impact, something that wakes you up, but then a real awakening is a long process for me. And a lot of people I've noticed um, in that process, there's a lot of swinging. Um, and then there's really good moments. And then everything kind of feels like it's going the opposite. Then, and then everything kind of, did you notice yourself swinging towards extremes? And then through that kind of easing things up and trying to find this middle balance point uh, where everything seems to really be present and, and aware. Have you noticed that in your, in your awakening journey? Funnily enough, I have actually. No one's asked me that before. That's a really, that's a really cool question because mm. it does kind of do that. It ebbs and flows, but quite extremely. Um, I think taking these journeys slow and steady is the way to go. I think little little baby insights, weekly, monthly, is really powerful. You start to slowly recalibrate, re-regulate, re and get your homeostasis back in order. So it's kind of 
little insights, I think, if people can approach their healing journey that way. We always want to dive straight into trauma, right? We want to dive into what happened and process it and move on. You can't do that. It's too much. You have to mm. tap into it nightly. So you're right. I did that. Dive in and go, holy shit, and spend all day like, what's going on here? And it just, <clears throat> it became just unbearable really and i had to kind of get to a place of of um pendulating is the best word pete mm. levine uses that so you pendulate into some uh, dark sensation and pendulate back to safety and you just pendulate and you pendulate so you, that starts to get a lot more fluid mm. but otherwise you just uh, this this is only works for people watching this visually but you're pendulating <laughs> side to side but it's you're spot on this happens and you're gonna have those days where you completely collapse maybe you don't have anxiety for a year and then you have a full-blown panic attack you're like shit do i have to start again no it obviously built up you need to think about your daily on a daily basis what you're doing to take care of your self-care what mm. you're doing each day because i've burned out at least five times in the last 10 years from overworking because I'm just so proactive and I never learned my lesson just over and over again. I repeat the pattern and it, I let it's because I let it build up. I'm not, I'm not aware enough daily, which is why the awareness five has changed that for me. And mm. I can see that's really going to help. So mm. I, I, did I answer your question? No, you, yeah, you did. No, you did. And, and it's really about, you know, finding that balance point and it's tough when things start swinging, especially early on. I noticed that, you know, um, I would notice things start to shift dark and I'm like, why I'm doing everything I'm doing my, and then you get down on yourself and then you, you just accept it and you just go right with it. Um, and it takes a little bit to get back on the other side. So, you know, that swinging, um, it's something that you have to sort of rein in. And then sometimes, you know, there's no stopping the other flow towards the negative. So when you start noticing yourself entering into that kind of realm, maybe for a week, a couple of days, whatever it is, then you could take care of a couple of things that need to be taken care of. And you can use that energy to take care of it. Um, you know, whatever works for you, obviously, but kind of getting aware of your oscillations and then kind of using them to your advantage is, is something I think really important to notice, especially on this awareness journey. And then notice not, you know, not to get upset with yourself because it's so easy to get down and, and lose track um, through this, through this journey. I just think just quickly, really important to mention mm -hmm. with the compassionate observer side. So it's, the, the key is to feel all the feels in the cheesiest way possible. So let those sensations come up and let them be there, but doing it, doing it with non-judgment. That's the hardest part, isn't it? It's not to judge ourselves. Like, oh God, I feel crap. Why do I feel crap? I shouldn't feel crap. Everyone's got it worse than me. All this kind of this talk is remembering that we need to allow these things to surface, but meet them with love and kindness and compassion. If we can, then that allows us to process it a lot easier. And I think, for me, sometimes you need to match the feeling you have. So a really good example for you is when I feel really crap, and sometimes I do, I actually listen to sad music. So rather than trying to listen to like Pharrell Happy, for example, while I'm feeling like utter crap, I'm just, it's resistance. I'm resisting the feeling and saying, I want to feel happy. So I'm going to resist it. And resistance is suffering. You're suffering because you're not being present with what the message is telling you. Mm. So I'll listen to sad music. I'll sing along. I'll probably burst into tears. It's so therapeutic. You start to cry because you've matched the sensation with this, this outer sadness tune. I release the tears and then suddenly my nervous system re-regulates and I feel happy again. So mm. I've actually just done a mini processing session there. So it's not as simple as just like, this feels crap, I'll do this. It's like, no, okay, I'll meet the crap in a safe way, like sad music, for example. So I hope that's a, like, a good example. That's what I do to release it through tearful, tearful means. And it works every time, mate. I have to say wow. a good old cry really gets my nervous system back in safe and social afterwards. It's very mm. beautiful. 
Mm, I never thought of that. I usually try to think of things I could work on or maybe a book that's a little bit darker that I've been resisting because I'm feeling good. But hey, that's another thing or maybe traumas. But that's another thing. Just kind of going with it and and teaching yourself that it's okay to, you know, and you could build that resilience in that moment and that, and that courage in that moment for when it happens, when it's out of control, when it happens, when it startles you, when you're feeling good, then you have that resilience and you have that memory in you um, to kind of hold that space really, really important and powerful. And it's tough to see that muscle, but you could see it as a muscle in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, the, the mind has a lot of different little muscles and gadgets that uh, I think somebody at some day should try to break down, uh, but it's also invisible and so hard to see. Uh, it's been a beautiful, beautiful conversation, and um, I'm sure a lot of people are interested in the awareness space. Um, so, so maybe break down where people can find it and, and some of the different um, podcasts and different things that you produce through it, because there's a whole slew of beautiful stuff that you produce through awareness space. Yeah, thank you, man. So, yeah, the awareness space is essentially... It's a podcast, so I do long-form interviews, anything from an hour to... An two hours so that's one-to-one -one conversations about awareness and then a topic of their choice so like self-worth or um, purpose or buddhism you know different topics and then there's panel shows which is the extended editions the two and a half three hours that you've been on so that's four of us diving into a topic with questions from the instagram community very beautiful so that's the two podcast formats and i do well-being videos i'm very passionate about so i turn blogs into videos that use stock video and music and narration so it's they're like little three or four minute little videos on youtube that teach you all about trauma responses and all that kind of stuff so that, that's the, the majority of what the awareness space is doing um and I think that's it, actually. I try to keep this really simple because normally my projects are really convoluted and complicated. <laughs> I'd have loads of strains to it. So I was like, no, keep it nice and simple. And that's fine. So yeah, podcasts and well-being videos. That's awareness space. Beautiful. And then do you do any private coaching at all? Or, you know, if somebody was like, hey, I want to be a podcaster, you know, and, and I love what you're doing. Is is there any anything in the works in that realm? Yeah, I'd be battling with this a lot, mate, to be honest with you. Like, should I be going down the mentorish route or coaching, maybe get qualified, this kind of thing, working with people in groups, maybe men's groups, all kinds of stuff. But there's something about it that isn't connecting. Um, wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm exploring what that is. What, what is it? What is it I'm trying to do here? And I think, like you said to you before, is hosting space, holding space, running events on behalf of others, kind of having beautiful conversations. That's what I adore. So I think I need to focus more on being a spokesperson for other people's messages. And um, I absolutely love making videos. So I'm about to launch a new business called The Awareness Real. Ooh. Real being, you know, um, making people aware of your message or aware of your business through the, the power of stock video and music and narration. So I'm about to launch that very shortly. Um, and I'm super excited. So I'll be working with clients on how to make a, a motive video i'll make it for them to get their message out to the world in a way that connects deeply on a sort of human experience level so i've managed to tie it in to that and um yeah there'll probably be loads of different awareness things so awareness real they're probably like awareness merch or who knows <laughs> it starts but, expanding um, <laughs> but my mission is to get up have beautiful conversations hope it helps and go to bed that would be mm -hmm. like and meditate along the way that'd be the best life yes. i'll take that Yes. And live in that space while you're there, really enjoying all these moments. That's the thing people need to, I think that's the big part of this podcast is if you want to take away, if you're listening, you know, enjoy the experience, everything you're doing, you know, even waking up, eating breakfast, whatever it is, just appreciate it. And, um, you know, love yourself, 
definitely give yourself that respect that's due um, because we're all miracles at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's quite a miracle that we're even here speaking to each other. And I'm so yeah. grateful uh, to be able to do this with you. So, oh, and thank you uh, again from across the pond in, in the UK. Um, I really appreciate this conversation. No, thank you, Joseph. And thank you for just being an awesome human and being such a good friend to me. Um, it means a lot. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you, buddy.